Because people are saying this all year, like, is something off? Does he have to motivate them? Does he have to pedal a little harder? What's all they have to do? You watch this team and you're like, oh, this is a team that would beat TCU 65 to 7. This is a team that would uh that that would destroy a lot of these games. Like they look like the best team in the country. And not just the best team in the country, the number two team can't touch this team in the country, really for the first time, I would say all year. What's up, Georgia football fans? You're listening to episode 369 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My name is Scott Duvall, and on this episode, my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, discuss the 52-17 throttling that the Bulldogs put on Ole Miss over the weekend. But before we begin, we'd like to thank our podcast sponsor, The Strickland Firm. Uh, Our friend Ryan Strickland was a University of Georgia law grad of 2003 and spent the first decade of his practice representing some of the nation's largest companies and insurers. But now he uses that experience to only help those who have been injured by someone else. If you need a good lawyer and need to reach out to someone, call the Strickland firm at 770-420-9900 or look them up online at thestricklandfirm.com. So thank you, Ryan, for sponsoring this episode. And here's Will to get it all started. Hello, welcome to Waiting Since Last Saturday, episode 369. Very proud of myself for getting the number correct on that one. You're welcome, Scott. I don't like to throw around the word hero, but uh, you know, lots of people are saying I am. I'm Will Leach here as always with Tony Waller, who just got back from Las Vegas. Uh, I was there at the game, like many, 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 many of you were, uh, to say to see a 5217 full on wipeout. Uh, to say it was a quite an quite an evening to say the least. But we'll start with you, Tony, because you watched it in Vegas and had the full experience. Uh, we, we get, I can get. I'll do my part to talk about the game day experience because I actually have a few notes. I would say, uh, but uh, just focusing on the game, that was uh, that was pretty definitive. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I you know I had the opportunity to be able to watch a big home game. It's the first home game I've missed since the COVID season. And um, it was an interesting experience um, being able to watch the game in, in real time with what was going on in Athens, right? I, I mean, I was missing being in Athens, but it wasn't really a thing. And I, I got turned on game day when I got up on uh, Saturday morning just to like see the vibe on campus. And I got actively, uh, actively sad that I wasn't there. But having said all that, it was a fun game to be around a crowd of um, – Mostly neutrals, a few people rooting, actively rooting against Georgia because of their own personal rooting interests, but you know, mainly folks that were rooting for um, either Mississippi or Georgia in the sports book. And uh, man, it was a wipeout. And I was, I'd say, I will start out by saying um, that was as good a coaching job as we have seen out of both offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Um, after those two scripted drives, it didn't feel like it felt like everything Lane Kiffin did. Um, Kirby and his defensive staff had answers for, and Mike Bobo literally cannot do anything. He cannot call a wrong play. Um, and that that's the kind of game you want. If you are a Georgia fan sitting here on in the middle of November, a little nervous about how you're going to handle December. If you're not playing in the sugar or the Rose bowl, um, it does allay some of those fears. Um, and we, it was as good a game as you could have hoped uh, Georgia to play between Back being on and uh, McConkey stepping up, Bowers come back out. The two freshmen playing in the middle, um, in the in replacing uh, Pops, there with broken arm. It's just uh, it was, 
yeah, they scored 17, 14 points or 17 points, but it, it didn't even feel like they scored at all. I mean, basically, Georgia did everything right. <laughs> like they did everything right. And I think that, you know, certainly Mississippi, the only thing you could say is there was, a, there was a little bit of a slow start again, at least defensively, certainly not offensively, but defensively, but that it just got shut down immediately. And I think that once the ball got rolling, you know, it felt like, you know, we always hear, we always talk about how Kirby Smart likes to defer and kick the ball in the second half. I always agree with it. And he's always right. And I think this was another great example of it is all it took was just for, um, for, Mississippi not to hold serve once and then everything just got rolling downhill on him. And I think that that was pretty much what you saw. I think that uh, um, the the much is obviously going to be said about the offense and how great Milton looked. And, and I mean, I guess as much as he could for not being touched half of the time that he was going in there Uh, and even the Bowers thing, it's funny how the Bowers thing is like a big news story, but also speaks to what's so kind of good about Georgia is he comes back and it's like, oh my gosh, Bowers is back early. This is amazing. And he, it was cool and he looked great and he certainly didn't look like he lost a step or anything, but it also felt like the fourth or fifth story of this game. <laughs> like they, they really just kind of did everything, uh, everything you'd want. And uh, focusing on the offense is great, but really I mean, Mississippi's a good offense. Dart actually didn't, I didn't think looked half bad until things kind of started going sideways on him. They just shut them down after that first run. The, to me, it's almost more impressive, uh, particularly the way this game started. The 17 is almost more impressive to me than the 52 is because uh, after those first two, after that first possession, that, to me, that was a the, the, the defense in the, for the last three quarters to me was as much a story as the offense was. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you think about the drive charts, they, they came out, they had the ball for four minutes, went forward on fourth down a couple of times, and maybe, maybe a little aided by call. But of course, Georgia got uh, that, that opening. That opening offsides was um, – I've seen them not call that before. It was basically the center just moved the ball a little bit. Um, and But, you know, once we held them, when they went forward on fourth down on that second drive, um, yeah, I don't know, where where was it? Uh, about the 40-yard line there about. Um, I was like, okay, held serve one time. Let's see what happens. And, of course, Georgia drives right down and scores again. Uh, and then they get that next touchdown on their next drive. as 14 all the start of the second quarter. And their drives after that three plays negative 10 yards four plays 15 yards and interception you know they got the ball back for one play at the half uh, after Georgia you know took the interception scored off of it seven plays three yards three plays three yards three play four yards and, and, and by then you know you had the second and third string in um it was a really impressive job defensively uh and on the offensive side of the ball um I, I remember listening to Herb Street and um Herb Street and them talking it's like uh, when and uh, Brett Thorson came out and they were like, "Oh, we're going to see Thorson today." Didn't did not expect that. Um, so that was <laughs> that was pretty much it. That was you know that the one that was our only drive where they didn't get at least one first down. Oh, I take that back. Where they didn't at least get one first down or score. They had a three play drive when they scored on three plays or second drive. Of course, with the long the long pass play there. Um, it was a very very solid. Um, this was this if you're if you're a part. All right, I think I lost Tony there. Oh, sorry, Tony, I'm I'm, I'm, I lost you there for, at the end of that. So uh, for whatever, oh, whatever uh, you yeah, said, try it again. Yeah, no, I'm just. I was just simply saying, if you're if you're part of Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, uh, Texas, FSU, this Georgia game, this Georgia, the game that Georgia played is not the game you were hoping you would not see at any point during the regular season because that now now Georgia goes from uh, they might be able to be got to oh wow, this is something they can still do. 
Yeah, I look forward to the to the things changing from uh, is Georgia ever going to peak to did they peak too early? <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice, sure. The nice touch of this, because I think that that I mean, I, you look at that team, the way, the way they played yesterday and like no one's like Michigan looked good against Pitt State. They're not beating that Georgia team to play like they did yesterday. <laughs> just not, and and that, that, that doesn't mean Georgia's going to play that way. And it doesn't mean Michigan doesn't have another gear. But I mean. You know, I thought everybody drank, but Seth Emerson got it really well in his piece. It felt like the first time, first time all year, even with the Missouri game, it felt like the first time all year, uh, or even the Kentucky game earlier, the first time we we're like, oh, this is as good as the national championship teams. Like, I like that. That felt like the first time really you've looked at this team because people are saying this all year, like, is something off? Does he have to motivate them? Does he have to pedal a little harder? What's all they have to do? You watch this team and you're like, oh, this is a team that would beat. TCU 62 to 65 to seven. This is a team that would, uh, that, that would destroy a lot of these games. Like they look, they look like, like a, the best team in the country really. And not just the best team in the country, the no one, the number two team can't touch this team in the country really for the first time, I would say all year. Yeah. And there are going to be some people, yeah, but it's just Ole Miss, but keep in mind, this Ole Miss team came in ranked ninth, uh, gave Alabama, I mean, they're only losses to Alabama, but they gave Alabama a, a, a better game than they gave Georgia. Um, so I, I just, I think you're right. I think that's, this is the game that I put it this way. If this, if this had been the game Georgia had played against South Carolina or against um, Auburn, uh, it would have, Georgia would have been ranked first in the college football playoff rankings, but also people were like, well, maybe, you know, Georgia, I would you, you, you hope they don't run out of these, these things, but um yeah, it was it was really impressive. It was fun to watch. Uh, it was fun to watch on TV. But will, what was it like in the stadium? It was. Uh, it was. You know, there's two things to this. I have one complaint, but we'll get to that at the end. Um, the vibe, however, was pretty fantastic. And I would say one thing. You know, it it, it wasn't homecoming, but it really felt like homecoming, at least from a football thing, because everybody was back. Rick was back. He was the guy. They had a big thing for him uh, being in uh, for the College Football Hall of Fame, and he got to have a really great moment. Uh, obviously, Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis came over and, and went over to the Redcoats, <laughs> like which is a big, of course, something they have uh, they've had the last few years. And uh, uh, Miko Hardeman and Kylie Ringo uh, were there to call the dogs at the beginning. They did a much better job than Joey Chestnut did. It's fair to say that they uh, felt more comfortable with it. But to me, I have to say the, the most emotional moment, I think, was was Stetson, you know, considering what he's been through this year. Uh, and there really hasn't been a lot of word on him, right? Like, we really have not gotten a lot of word why he's not on the Rams right now. People have speculated one way or the other, but uh, the Rams need a backup quarterback and it's not him. And he was drafted to be that guy. And Tommy DeVito is starting for a team and Stetson isn't. And to see him, um, I, I, again, you don't want to speculate. Uh, but uh, there was something in his body language that implied someone that has been through something and may currently be going through something uh, through that, through, through something as well. And um, the love that he got felt, um, I didn't hear anybody say, well, you know, he didn't talk the wave to anybody during the parade. (laughs) I I felt like there, 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 you know, I, it's this whole season has been kind of weird that Stetson, I'm beginning, has not been involved with the Rams. He's been very quiet. There's been no, like, I think there's been a lot of like respecting of kind of his privacy, but also it's very strange. This is the guy that, this is the guy that won two national championships, first national championships in, in 40 years for Georgia. And he's been silent and you haven't heard from him. And to see him, it was a surprise. I don't think anyone was expecting him to be there. Uh, it definitely felt like, uh, it was just really like, it just, it felt 
when you talk about how this team, you looked at the team and said, this looks like the national championship teams that couldn't help, but they felt connected to them by having Davis and Ringo and Hardiman and especially Bennett there. It was, it was a really, really cool thing. And I was surprised how kind of moved I was by seeing Bennett on the big screen. It was just something he seemed there was, he definitely didn't have that swat that Stetson swagger. It just, he looked like a guy that's, Maybe currently going something, but certainly has been through something and really kind of appreciated the love. I actually found it a pretty moving moment. How about did they did they show that? Did they see that at all on the on the broadcast? They did. They uh, they made mention of uh, the fact that he was there. <clears throat> Excuse me, that he was there, and uh, I think they're honoring his Burlesworth yeah. trophy. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I just trying to remember what it was that was. Yeah, and and they did they did show that coming out of a break uh, that you know when they actually gave him the trophy uh, and and talked about it a little bit. They they did not talk much about what's going on with his time with Rams, but uh, they did make a, a deal of that. And I think one of the things that uh, this will tell you a little bit about how ESPN is focused on this. Um, other than mentioning that Coach Rick was there, uh, they really, really did focus on the former national championship players who were there on the sideline uh, because of various bye weeks around the NFL. And uh, that was, you know, it was, it was pretty clear that was um, whether that is narrative driven by ESPN, uh, a production choice made by ESPN, or whether uh, Georgia said, hey, this is a thing we're doing. This week, if you want, if if you just need the storyline, we got one made for you. Um, but it, it really did come through on the broadcast. Um, uh, particularly having those guys back. And of course, Nolan Smith was the was the guest day uh, game day right. guest picker. Um, and that that also kind of starts it out, which is cool considering you know he was injured and and, and had, you know wasn't able to play there at the end of the season. So um, I, I think it was. Uh, I, I I'm I'm really I'm really glad to hear that was. Uh, that Stetson was was greeted that way, uh, and I, I'm 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 glad to glad to hear that it was an emotional moment because it was pretty cool just to see on TV uh, to have to have him back. Yeah, I mean, we just haven't heard anything from him all year, <laughs> and, right. like, and right. he's just kind of been silent. And so uh, to to have him pop up and just how central he is to it, and it's just been weird that no one's talked about it, right? <laughs> like, and I and I understand why. I'm not saying it's bad that no one's talked about it, but it was it was it's. I mean, it's. Strange thing, you know, and so uh, to, to to have him see that to be that, I thought was I thought was a really cool thing. Uh, actual for the actual game day experience. Once you got to your seats, it was great. Um, I would say the Notre Dame problem that I was worried about uh, it was actually a little bit worse than that. Uh, people were very very dialed up <laughs> getting into the stadium. I've never had. Uh, sometimes if you go into the wrong side of the stadium, you get that kind of scary crowd thing happening if you go into the wrong side of the stadium at the wrong time. This was the first time I think this happened pretty much everywhere. Uh, you know where our seats are uh, with, with Scott. Uh, um, they, it was a madhouse. Like, every, like everybody had a war story of fighting their way through the tunnels. It was, I mean, there were moments where I have to say it was actually a little bit scary, if I'm being entirely honest. I think that uh, um, it uh, it felt a little bit a while back. I uh, I was driving back from Atlanta and there was an accident and six lanes of traffic had to get into one lane on 85. And at that point, it's like, it's all prison rules at that point. Like it's all, and like, that's what it felt like in the concourses of the stadium a half an hour before the game started. Uh, This is the first time I have ever gone to a game that the Duval family has been late 
before the kickoff, like they're usually there far ahead of the time. It was chaos. And every single person that got in there, like everyone was like, I can't believe I've never seen it like this before ever. And that seems to be a pretty overarching thing. I would also say, uh, if I may uh, have a little uh, moment, uh, I mentioned that we had our friends, uh, uh, Easton, Lindsay and Miller. And uh, of course, Miller is, uh, SMA is in a wheelchair, uh, to whoever, to the, uh, usher, uh, in section 141 who screamed at, uh, uh Miller and his mother for, uh, because he was confused about the tickets and didn't believe they should should be there. Uh, you're the usher in 141, and I hope someone is listening to this and uh, talks to you. Um, so, you know, I the, the, it had it wasn't at, once everybody got in and got settled, the vibe like it, it was a, it was a joyous vibe. It was a really great thing. But you know, I will say this, and we can talk about this more on the regular show. Uh, for an administration that was brought into power largely through its ability to handle logistics and to be able to handle uh, listen to fans. Um, uh, that, that the, uh, there's a lot of stuff they need to work on. (laughs) I'll put it that way. Uh, it was, uh, it was a scary vibe getting it. Once you got in, it was great. And listen, I don't think it's just our section. I'm sure people listening, if they did, if they, maybe they had a smoother ride, uh, in there, but I've never seen it like that, uh, before. And, uh, I think that's not entirely the administration's part. You know, whenever there's a big game like this, uh, you see a lot of people that, that uh, a big game like this where the game is late. A lot of people not only are tailgating all day, but also aren't like aren't used to the game day experience or are doing something new or don't actually know where to go or they go in the wrong place. So I understand it's not entirely the thing, but uh, um, you know, I, 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 I go to like, I've been to like a lot of massive sporting events and uh, uh, that's not how it's supposed to work. So uh, I, I think that, uh, and I'm sure Scott can talk more about it because uh, he had the same experience and, you know, like I felt lucky I was with William and, uh, uh, and, and, you know, so we were, we're young and able to vibrant through, but like there was a very older uh, veteran that was sitting right in front of us that like, he was very upset <laughs> of what he kind of gone through to get in there. So I think that uh, there's some logistical things they really need to get cleaned up uh, in the stadium right now. I understand it's different. Everything's bigger. It's a night game, but uh, that, that was a definite issue, but, but for the good, good stuff, I mean, if cry aloud that, that if you're wondering when George is blowing a team away uh, and what the lights look like dark uh, heading into the fourth quarter, it's very, very cool. <laughs> it looks the way you want it to look. Uh, the vibes are really well, but uh, certainly uh, nuts and bolts stuff. They got some stuff they got to work on. Yeah, so they it looked like it, it started raining towards the end of the game. Of course, we were I was in touch with the kid, my kids. Um, um, you know, you talked about uh, you know Jordan Davis, my, my daughter Maggie got to see him because she's down with the band. Yeah. Um, but just just uh, the youngest was talking about how it started raining towards towards near, not pretty close to the end of the game. Um, after having just been spitting rain the rest of the day. And I wasn't just curious, you know, I, I don't know. Just, I wonder if that had a little bit to do with everybody's like, okay, we need to get the stadium now since the rain yeah. has stopped. But yeah, and, way, and for the record, the weather turned out great. <laughs> the weather ultimately okay. turned out totally fine. Like once you got in, there was a little bit of rain late, but like people were terrified because on Saturday morning, it was miserable. <laughs> it was absolutely miserable and freezing and pouring. And like, this can't be going on like this all day. But the weather actually turned out better than I think people thought it was going to. So we kind of breaking up. Yeah, and I was and I was talking to I was talking to Tiffany and Wayne uh, at the tailgate, and they were just discussing how the rain. Had, they decided to go over a little later just because of the rain. But uh, you know, overall, Will is it's a it was a it, it, from where we were, even though it was crowded on sports book, it did not feel unsafe, and people were bringing me chicken wings and drinks. So yeah, so you probably felt okay. Yeah, probably felt okay. You, you probably didn't have, felt okay. You didn't have um, the uh, the usher at one forty one that literally screamed at a person in a wheelchair, uh, which is cool. Yeah, that's, cool, that's, cool, that's, cool. That's good stuff. Great. 
Good stuff. That's not uh, great. Hey, so uh, um, uh, if 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 uh, uh, that situation ever had come to a position where someone would have been injured, I don't know who I would call. Who who would I call in that situation? I was just about to say, if uh, you know, if, if you do get the situation where you need somebody to help you out, uh, our friend Ryan Strickland at the Strickland Firm in Marietta can help you out. Uh, we appreciate Ryan's sponsorship of the Wait and Society Saturday podcast, the Strickland Firm sponsorship. Uh, you can find him on the internet, Will, at thestricklandfirm.com or 844-GA-JUSTICE. Ryan has been out doing this for 20 years, uh, started out his career working, uh, you know, representing the biggest industries and insurers, and now for a number of years has been out working for the working for the little guy, trying to make sure that justice is done and people get injured. So we appreciate the Strickland Firm sponsorship this season. Absolutely. Uh, and so, again, you know, we spent a lot of time on the second half of these podcasts talking about how the national championship thing is affected uh, for Georgia. And I, and listen, at the end of the day, Georgia has to just take care of itself and not, and you can't really do anything else. And, uh, before it's worth, uh, all those other things that you would like to see help, uh, none of those are happening. <laughs> Teams keep winning. I think if you were hopeful, there was a chance you thought maybe Washington would have a chance to lose or Oregon have a chance to lose or Florida State got a chance to lose. And none of those teams looked as good as Georgia. Uh, but. None of them lost. And Michigan was pretty impressive in their game as well. We will let's hold off on talking about the uh the, the Michigan Harbaugh situation until we get a chance to do it in person. But um uh, generally speaking, Georgia uh Georgia's in the same position they were. They just gotta keep winning. Yeah, so uh that's exactly right. I I guess it is a little telling um Bill Conley's uh odds to make the the national championship, or maybe maybe it wasn't Conley, maybe it was ESPN's Georgia went from upper thirties to well into the seventies after that win. Uh, of course, part of that is uh, being able to, to guarantee making the sec championship. I uh, can only two teams can win that. And that's, that's Georgia or Alabama. Um, and then the second part, yeah, I'm glad you brought up I mean, Florida state looked, they looked in trouble against Miami for a little bit. Uh, and of course, Texas, I struggled a little bit with, with um, I think they were playing TCU yesterday. Um, that was the cool part about being a sports book. I was able to track games all through the day in a way that I wasn't would not have ordinarily been able to. Um, so that was that was that was kind of cool. Uh, and then, of course, we had a ton of Michigan fans, uh, Michigan and Penn State fans, in the early slot watching that game at uh, in, there in the sports book, and we had we had had fun with some of them as well. Um, and then, of course, I I, I did for for a, a brief brief moment align myself with some. Um, Florida fans that were there because of what Missouri was doing to Tennessee. Um, so if you want to, if you kind of, you know, like if you're a Georgia fan, you want to read the tea leaves that, uh, you know, the, the struggling against Missouri looks even better now yeah. considering what they did against Tennessee. Um, that also virtually guarantees, I, I think, I think Missouri will be the, the highest ranked two loss team. And, and for those of you that don't really read the tea leaves on this college football playoff stuff, that's something the committee will pay attention to when they start seeding and potentially could matter if we do end up in a situation where, um, let's just say, God forbid, Georgia loses next week, but wins the SEC championship, whether it, it does put a little feather in the cap on, on getting there. Because look, the goal here is to win the national championship. Um, and I will continue to say, and I agree with you, just win and you don't have to worry about that. But some things you don't, <laughs> you don't always win, <laughs> despite what we've seen for the last, uh, what, seven, uh, 600 something days out of Georgia it's almost 670, almost 680 now. Um, at some point, Georgia's going to lose. I mean, that's going to happen. Uh, but it didn't happen this week. And um, I just, it's, it's looking, that's the, that the team that played Friday night shows our Saturday night shows up 
against any of the people left on the schedule or people potentially we would have to play, it's hard to see them losing that game. Yeah, I, I was more worried about Tennessee. Uh, listen, it's still a road game. It's still weird. You never know. But uh, that team doesn't look very scary. <laughs> that team does not uh, look very scary, to uh, to to say the least. Um, and uh, hey, and uh, uh, j- just so you know, though, I mean, again, I know Georgia played well, but did they have a quarterback that threw for more than 500 yards? Because uh, this guy's team did. How about those Illini? John Paddock, baby. First career start at Illinois, 500 plus yards. And the Illini yeah. are one game away from, from bowl eligibility. Well, the super early, you know, before, before, um, before Michigan's and, and Penn State got uh, ramped up, really. Um, uh, of course, uh, Illinois and Indiana were on. And everyone knows, most people know that my wife, Kristen is a is a is also an Indiana fan, and she was the only one being loud over the Illinois Indiana, and I had I had a couple of guys looking at me like I'm I'm really jealous of you because your wife is with you, and not only that, she's been a degenerate yelling about uh, <laughs> uh, here by noon a big Big Ten game, uh, but that was a big win that does that does put six wins uh, within reach. I mean mm-hmm. that was a, that was a must win game if you're going to do that because now you have Iowa who. For the 148th game in a row, uh, hit the under, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, Northwestern team that is playing better, but considering the poss- there is a possibility of um, that game is uh, can be played in Champaign, and uh, I don't know who Northwestern has next, but potential for bowl eligibility for both teams could be pretty interesting. Also, uh, for what it's worth, it is still on the table that Illinois could play in the Big Ten Championship game. <laughs> it is actually still on the table. Uh, so, which is amazing to say the very, very least, because they have no, they don't have bowl eligibility yet. <laughs> and they still could play in the Big Ten, uh, championship game, which that would be that, that, that would, I think it would be fun. Here's my perfect scenario. Harbaugh is allowed to come back for the Big Ten Championship game, but loses to Illinois. I feel like that's how that's got to go. That's how that's got to go. Um, <laughs> Um, okay, my last thing before we go. Um, this is our last one of these of the year. Please give me some hope, Tony. Is this going to be a noon? It's going to be a noon game, isn't it? So here, here's the piece of hope you want for here's Georgia, Georgia Tech. That's what I'm talking about for those people who don't know. Georgia, yeah, Georgia of course, Tech. of course. Yeah, for Georgia, Georgia Tech. Here is here is the here's the here is the thing that I'm going to hang our hats on here for hope. Uh, so Georgia Tech right now is sitting at five and five. Um, they of course have Georgia to end the season. They have uh, Syracuse yes. next. Um, if if they make bowl eligibility, if they make bowl eligibility, so essentially think of it this way: if they get to six and five next next week, um, that also guarantees them their first winning season in the ACC in a long, long time, and also probably puts them in the top three or four of the ACC. So maybe just maybe that game could get slotted in one of their, um, one of the ESPN uh, slots that ACC holds for that weekend. So I am, I am, I will say that I still think the game will be at noon, but there is all, there is far more of a possibility than I would have given five weeks ago that it will be later in the day. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Just be nice to have one of them. Be noon, just one, just just one of them not be noon, but uh, but we'll find out. Um, all right, yeah, so we, we, were, we were talking about we were talking about when the last not noon game yeah. was, and and, and uh, we're I'm pretty sure it was the same day the uh kick six was happening at Jordan Hare because wow. it was uh 
Uh, that was a that was a Todd Gurley takeover game because we, that game went to overtime, uh, and uh, Gurley basically had I think he had all thirty five yards of the offense to for Georgia to win that game in overtime. Um, it would be uh, it'd be nice it'd be nice to someday not have that one, but we'll find out. Either way, it'll be fine. Uh, we are taping Tuesday afternoon, so we'll be back uh, to do that show. Uh, so one more net one more show of uh, non bourboning. Uh, but then we'll be back uh, to preview the Georgia Tech in the week after that. Uh, Tony, uh, welcome back. Get some rest. You've come all the way across the country. Come back, get some rest, and we'll uh, I'll see you on Tuesday. Until then, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Like Tony and Will said, we will be back recording our Tennessee Knoxville versus Georgia preview show on this Tuesday. And uh, we really enjoyed seeing all of y'all, seeing a lot of listeners this uh, home football season. I know we still have two regular season games to go, but this is the end of the home schedule. Shout out to David, who uh, said hello to me as I was walking out after the Georgia victory on Saturday night in Section 119, I think it was. Thanks, David. I hope uh, your ride to Florida uh, was uneventful in a good way. Uneventful in a good way. But yeah, we'll see you on campus sometime soon. And as always, go dogs.